Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast where we hope to give you a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. If our audio sounds better, it's because we have this really fancy microphone that we bought at the very beginning, and I just barely learned how to turn the setting on that actually records through our microphone and not through the computer. Yeah, but what if this... The sound doesn't sound any different to everyone. <laughs> I'm not talking about my voice. I'm talking about the the sound. I know. I didn't mean <laughs> your voice. Anyway, we hope that it sounds better because apparently we didn't even know how to use our microphone that we've been staring at for the past few months. We have this nice little wrong. backdrop of pillows behind it to make sure the, the uh, sound waves don't bounce off the wall. Which I've been thinking, have we told you that we did upgrade our studio from our closet? I think we did a while ago. Oh, okay. All right, we, we're a little more technical now, but we are here. I'm here with Zach. We're ready to get started. Let's do it. <laughs> this is episode uh, 32, 32, and we're doing another two-part episode. So these are the war chapters. This is war chapters part one. But this one's kind of scary, right? Because we've got... These are these are a lot of chapters that we're combining into only two episodes, and they're the war chapters, so there's a lot of stuff in there, but we're still going to condense them. Um, obviously, you're going to get more out of it on your own study, but hopefully these give you a good overview of um, some of maybe the highlights. I think that's what your study tip's about, too, is something to kind of help people yes. get into the war chapters, right? Let's move on to that. Our study tip today is one that you are all familiar with, I'm sure. In fact, there is a scripture in Nephi that tells us to liken the scriptures to yourselves. And I think we've all learned this. We've done this a lot. Maybe we've inserted our name in a scripture or... Um, I don't know, whatever you've done to try and liken the scriptures. The reason, last last week we gave out the cry for your help um, to send in study tips, which we are still, um, we got obviously. quite a few, right? Yeah, yeah, we got some. Thank you so much for sending those in. If you have any, I haven't done it yet, please send them to us. But we want to, we'll start next week with a couple from you. Because we're doing the war chapters, I could not help but do the study tip today because I think it's such an important one and it goes along with the war chapters. I have the experience um, with the war chapters and maybe I've mentioned this before. I have read the Book of Mormon, let's see, this was a few years ago, probably once or twice by just completely skipping Alma because I would find myself reading the Book of Mormon and get to Alma and then I would quit because I couldn't get through. It was too long, so too many chapters and maybe a little overwhelming. And so I am no war chapter expert, but I finally had a moment where I realized that these war chapters were for me. They were for me. They, I was likening them unto myself to protect myself um, against, you know, this, a different kind of war that we're facing. And finally... That just turned on um, a passion for the war chapters. I felt like I got so much more out of them. So maybe more than just likening the scriptures to yourself in inserting your name and knowing that God's talking to you, which is a great thing to do, but maybe put yourself in that story. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm at war. I need to put leather on and get my mm -hmm. 
my swords or whatever, but really try and liken them to your personal situations and there becomes great power. And I think probably some of you have experienced that with the war chapters, why they're so powerful for that reason. And I found that to be true for me. So that's our study tip. Liken the scriptures to you in a situation. Yeah. In fact, that's how we're going to set the war chapters up is hopefully point out some things that I think Mormon deliberately does when he narrates the war chapters that will help you step into the world of the war chapters and help the truths that you learn there come alive for you. But before we begin, I have a pop quiz for you, darling. So here's your pop quiz. Ready? Uh-oh. I'm not very good at these. <laughs> what? Well, it's probably going to... Well, anyway. Um, if you were to take a guess at the percentage of the Book of Mormon that deals mm. directly with war, what would you guess? Let's see. Stories directly about war. Directly about war. I'm going to say 25%. That's wrong. I know it. It's close. It's oh, close. good. Okay, it's 20 good. If I were our kids, I would say, ernt. 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 I like that. Uh, it's 20%. Yeah. Oh, about, good. About a, how about 100 pages in the Book of Mormon deal directly with war? How many times does the Book of Mormon use the words war, battle, or army? Just those three words alone. Uh, like... In word count, mm -hmm. is that what you're saying? Um, let's see. Got to got to have quick answers here. Um, two hundred. Five hundred. Oh. Well, a little bit over five hundred, even. And how many pages do the war chapters cover? Um, just in the Alma, or yep, all just of them? this these war chapters, this fourteen year war between Nephites and Lamanites, um, Captain Moroni, Army of Helaman, all that. Trying to like do my a quick math. I'm not good at doing quick math. Um. 60. Yeah, pretty close. About 10% of the Book of Mormon. So the 531 pages in the Book okay. of Mormon, uh, I think it's 51 or 52 or I'm something. I'm pretty good at that pop quiz. That you didn't even the, tell me about you it. You did well. You did well. <laughs> um, and yet, this part of the Book of Mormon, 10% of the Book of Mormon, as you mentioned, a lot of times gets skipped or it gets read quickly. I know when I did, a lot of times I would just start reading the chapter headings because I thought, well, it's a war. It's like, a war. You don't need to read all the stuff. I just yeah. read the chapter headings. Until I came across this quote. This is from President Benson, uh, that famous talk, The Book of Mormon, Keystone of Our Religion. He says this, From the Book of Mormon, we learn how disciples of Christ live in times of war. From the Book of Mormon, we see the evils of secret combinations portrayed in graphic and chilling reality. In the Book of Mormon, we find lessons for dealing with persecution and apostasy. We learn much about how to do missionary work, and more than anything else, we see in the Book of Mormon the dangerous materialism in setting our hearts in the things of the world. Can anyone doubt that this book was meant for us, and that in it we find great power, great comfort, and great protection? Like you mentioned, this book and these chapters are meant to be likened. They're meant to be about you. Mormon is a historian, but writing on the plates, as we mentioned in our introductory episode, takes a lot of work. So he's not going to write 53 pages just to recount a story. In other places where he wants to recount a story, he does it in a couple of verses. Here, he takes the time to elaborate in detail, put in direct quotes, because he wants you to see in this yourself. So here's the background that I think will make this come alive for you. Um, in Alma chapter 43, the war chapters begin. 
And there's this one little detail in verse 6. We always talk about the war chapters being between the Nephites and the Lamanites, which is technically true. Um, however, the leaders of the Lamanite army are almost always Nephites. Here's the scripture, verse 6, chapter 43. And now, as the Amalekites were of a more wicked and murderous disposition than the Lamanites were in and of themselves, Zarahemna, he was the king of the Lamanites, appointed chief captains over the Lamanites, and they were all Amalekites and Zoramites. Now, if you remember, Zoramites, a couple of episodes ago, are the ones that do not believe in Christ. They're the ones that climb up on the Ramiumptum and pray. We are grateful that we know there's no Christ. So they're anti-Christ Nephites. Zoramites are apostate anti-Christ Nephites. The Amalekites are even worse. If you remember the story of the the uh, Lamanite converts, the army of, for the sons of Mosiah converting thousands of Lamanites, there's this army close to the end of the story of other Lamanites and Amalekites that comes and starts to slaughter these newly converted Lamanites. And if you remember, they fall down on the ground. They won't raise their weapons. They, they die instead of breaking their covenant, raising their weapons. And the scripture says, because of the conscience is pricked of the attacking Lamanites that they then fall down and the church of God was joined that day by more Lamanites than those that were lost in death. However, it also points out not a single Amalekite was among those converted. In fact, here at the beginning of chapter 43, Mormon points out this war starts out of the hatred of these two apostate Nephite groups, the Zoramites and the Amalekites. I think Mormon points that out because he wants you to see this is not about a war that happened over 2,000 years ago between Nephites and Lamanites. This is about your war. This is about you holding to your faith in a faithless world and trying to battle against those that would tear down your faith in Christ, tear down your conversion, and destroy everything that you're working towards. That's what the story is about. Exactly that is what helped me liken the war chapters to myself or really take deeper meaning was um, that scripture in Ephesians that we fight not against the physical warfare, but we fight against rulers of a darker world of this in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. And that was really what clinched it for me and just made me realize that how important it is to read their strategies and understand what they're doing and Maybe to not feel so defenseless, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When sometimes we feel that way in, like you said, in this faithless, secular world. So here's the way it's broken out. This episode is about your individual war. And we're going to look at Captain Moroni and Amalekai on the other side and learn some strategies on how to fight a, uh, an individual war. Next episode is the Army of Helaman, which is all about family warfare. How do you defend your family? So listen to this one, strengthen yourself, and then listen to the next one. This quote starts us off. This is from Sun Tzu, The Art of War, which I actually had to read as part of a business foundations class once. So here's the quote. Sun Tzu says, Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. What we want to do with this episode is identify some strategies and some tactics that will help us in our individual fight for faith. 
So the two guiding questions we have are this. We're each going to tell about a story or two from these war chapters. There are so many, and hopefully you dive in, as with all of our episodes, and study deeper and broader and longer than we give you here. But we're each going to talk about one individual story or two, and we're going to draw out strategies. These are overarching plans that the general in charge, Captain Moroni, who symbolizes the Savior, has for you to win the war. The tactics are what questions or what what individual things can you do in your life? What actions, what plans are you going to put in place because of what you're listening to now and because of what you're going to study on your own that will help you win your war? So what's the strategy and what are your individual tactics? So I'll go first. I found this quote by Elder Suarez. This was before he was ordained an apostle. It's from 2015. And it's just a one line from a talk. He says, figuratively, all of us need to transform ourselves into modern Captain Moroni's in order to win the wars against evil. We all know that verse in Alma 48 where it says, if all men had been and were and ever would be like Captain Moroni, the very powers of hell would be shaken. Satan would have no more power over the hearts of the children of men forever. Which is a really cool verse. If I can be like Captain Moroni, Satan will have zero power over me. So what do you do to get there. Well, here are some of Moroni's tactics, and when you study Alma 43, hopefully you find some more. But here's one that I really like. Verse 16. The leader of the Nephites, or the man who had been appointed to be their chief captain, was Moroni. Verse 19. The Lamanites come against them, and it says, when the armies of the Lamanites saw that the people of Nephi, or that Moroni, had prepared his people with breastplates, with arm shields, yea, and also with shields to defend their heads, and they were also dressed with thick clothing. When the Lamanites see this, they're terrified. And when the battle actually ensues, the Lamanites lose in horrible fashion. Because not only do the Nephites have offensive weapons like the Lamanites do, they have all these defensive weapons. What I like about this is, six chapters later, in Alma 49, there's another battle between Nephites and Lamanites. And in this battle, This is verse 6. The leaders of the Lamanites had supposed, because of the greatness of their numbers, yea, they supposed that they should be privileged to come upon the Nephites as they had hitherto done. Yea, and they had also prepared themselves, as the Lamanites, with shields and with breastplates. And they had also prepared themselves with garments of skins, yea, very thick garments to cover their nakedness. So six chapters later, because the Lamanites learned or lost so horribly, they've learned from it. And now they have defensive weapons. However... Verse 4, Behold, how great was their disappointment. For behold, the Nephites had dug up a ridge of earth round about them, which was so high that the Lamanites could not cast their stones and their arrows, and they might take effect. Neither could they come upon them, save it were by their place of entrance. And then I love this verse 8. Behold, to their uttermost astonishment, the Nephites were prepared for the Lamanites in a manner which never had been known among the children of Lehi. The strategy I pull from this is this. God helps us defend ourselves. Interesting, in chapter 49, it's not just the cities that they defend. It's the weakest cities. The Lamanites try and attack what they think are the weakest cities. Moroni, however, is able to anticipate that and defends the weakest cities. So the strategy is God helps us know our weaknesses and how to defend them. The tactic that comes from that is, what are your weaknesses? 
that need defending? What are your cities that need building up? And if you can identify at least one or two of those, you do it and you do it now. And I think that this one, this one is really powerful. This was one of those that really hit me hard. I think you can feel often maybe a little crazy in what you're doing. I I picture him digging these trenches and making all of these preparations and kind of people thinking you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. This has never been done before. Why would you do this? But here he is knowing that he's being led by God, that he has received inspiration. Okay, let's liken this to us. And maybe you're feeling that way. Why are you doing that with your family? Why are you doing that with yourself? That seems so absurd or so overprotective. Overzealous, over over right? Yeah. And then to really think, when you know that God is telling you to do something, you do it because of that verse. I love that. They were a manner in which had never been known to man. Because God's ways are higher than our own ways. And this is the perfect example of that. And I'm sure whatever battles that you're fighting, you can, when you get inspiration from God, it's not going to be in the way that man will tell you to do it. In fact, it's so powerful. There's a verse later on where Mormon explains that when the Nephites choose their military captains, they choose, at least when they're being righteous, they choose a man that is possessed with the spirit of revelation. And this proves it. Moroni is able to anticipate the enemy's moves and defend his people, even defend their weakest places. And sometimes that seems kind of crazy, but that's exactly the thing that we need to be strong. So strategy, God helps us identify our weaknesses and build them up. Tactics, you got to start figuring out what your weaknesses are and start building them up. And how cool to think that God will help us, especially with our weaknesses, that he's there to, to guide us in those even not just the places that maybe we feel powerful in. Um, The story that I just love in these chapters is the story of um, Amalekiah and Lahontai. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? I want to say Lahonti every time. (laughs) Either way. L-dog. Oh, dear. (laughs) I won't be calling him that. Okay, um... Let's see. So starting in verse 46, or maybe he's mentioned before this. You could tell me that. Amalekiah he's, is all he's over around. in chapter 46. Okay. Right? 46, we start learning about who Amalekiah is. and In fact, just, just so we know who Amalekiah is, this verse, verse 9 in chapter 46, Yea, and we also see the great wickedness one very wicked man can cause to take place among the children of men. Mormon's really specific about his descriptions of Amalekiah. He mm-hmm. is meant to symbolize the adversary. There's mm. no question about it. He's deceitful. He's cunning. He wants to be king. Amalekiah is Satan. Hands down, then this is why the story is so good. Yeah. So you turn to verse um, chapter 47. I mean, you know, the other description. He uses flattering words. He uses all these things mm. to get these people to follow him. And he doesn't get what he wants. And he wants to be king. He doesn't get what he wants. So he goes over to try and be the king of the Lamanites. Okay, so here's the story. Lahontai is the general. He's at the top of the mountain. Amalekiah camps out at base camp. 
and at the base of this mountain with the intention to get Lahontai to come down because he knows once he gets Lahontai to come down, he can start to take advantage of the armies and eventually gain power. Lahontai refuses once, twice, three, even four times. And finally, Amalekiah, in the meantime, has climbed up to the three quarters of the way up the hill. And Lahontai says, okay, I will come down, but I'm going to bring my generals, my arm, some of my men with me. And this is exactly what Amalekiah wanted to happen. He ends up taking over. And this, the verse that I love is that it says that he ends up poisoning Lahontai. Amalekiah ends up poisoning Lahontai by degrees. So you see this very slow progression, this very slow temptation that Amalekiah gives Lahontai. And pretty soon he ends up, Amalekiah takes over as general because Lahontai dies by degrees. <laughs> and and then um, Amalekiah ends up killing the king and becoming the king and even tricks the wife of the king into marrying him as mm -hmm. well. So that was obviously a very brief um, You should read the story. Story, You read it. Because especially when we see, like Zach mentioned, this um, Amalekiah in this light of who is tempting you personally, who is especially triggering your weakness, weak spots, um, we need to know what, what kind of actions he uses. And Amalekiah, the story of Amalekiah, shows us exactly what we need to do. What um, strategies... And what strategies are there that we need to be using? And then, in turn, what tactics we need to use? And In fact, I, I think this is really fitting after our first point. If the first strategy is know your weaknesses and defend them, the second strategy is once you've got your defenses, don't leave them for anything. Don't compromise. That's Lahontai's downfall is he leaves his defenses just a little bit to go down to Amalekiah. Mm -hmm. And it's that little bit of of compromise that ends him up poisoned. And so... And it's interesting to think too, like you mentioned, you know, what are your weaknesses from that point before? Is if you're Amalekiah and you know Lahante even a little bit, you are going to know his weaknesses. And maybe his weakness was, hey, you're a nice guy. You're yeah. going to let someone like me in. I just want to talk to you. So... Anyway, I just, I love, I love that story. I think we can learn so much from it. Chapter 47, 46, worth your own personal study to find out more about that. The third one um, is this one that I, I will probably get a little overfired up about because I, I'm really passionate about this particular topic recently. Up to this point, I'm now in chapter 51 in Alma, up to this point, the Nephites win almost every single battle. Moroni is brilliant. He's revelatory. And because of his leadership, the Nephites win continually. Amalekiah takes over as king of the Lamanites, and they still don't have much success until this happens. This is chapter 51. There's a group of Nephites that start this local uprising. They want a king. They call themselves the king men. And they start to to uh, they start this little civil war in Zarahemla. They refuse to join the military, uh, and they start um, boycotting or fighting against those that are joining the military. When Moroni hears about this, he's furious, and so he goes back and uh, and wages war essentially on the kingmen. He fights this civil war. But here's the destructive part. This is verse twenty-two. 
Behold, it came to pass that while Moroni was thus breaking down the wars and contentions among his own people and subjecting them to peace and civilization and making regulations to prepare for war against the Lamanites, behold, the Lamanites had come into the land of Moroni, which was in the borders by the seashore, and it came to pass that the Nephites were not sufficiently strong in the city of Moroni. Therefore, Amalickiah did drive them, slaying many. And it came to pass that Amalickiah took possession of the city, yea, possession of all their fortifications. Verse 26. And thus he went on, taking possession of many cities, the city of Nephiha, and the city of Lehi, and the city of Morianton, and the city of Omner, and the city of Gid, and the city of Mulek. And he keeps taking cities. Up to this point, the Lamanites haven't had hardly any success, and now they start winning, not because they are an exceptionally good army, not because they've developed some new strategy, but because the Nephites are so busy fighting themselves that the Lamanites start to win. Um, Moroni is furious about this. Verse 14, when Moroni saw this and saw the Lamanites were coming into the borders of the land, he was exceedingly wroth because of the stubbornness of those people whom he had labored, who had later with so much diligence to preserve. Yea, he was exceedingly wroth. His soul was filled with anger against them. Um, he marches home and he tears them apart and he's just furious. I love this scene of Moroni being this furious defender of life and liberty. But here's the strategy that I pull from it. In today's world especially, we cannot afford to fight each other. If you go anywhere near social media, you know that this is all the rage. And it's about any topic. Religion, certainly. But we fight about politics. We fight about parenting practices. We fight about whether it's Laurel or Yanny or a blue dress or a yellow dress. We fight about everything. And we waste so much of our time fighting each other and putting angry comments on other people's posts and responding to people's angry comments on our posts with our own angry comments to their posts. We spend so much time doing this that we're losing the actual war. We're fighting ourselves instead of fighting the real enemy. I get really upset at this when I feel people or sense people criticizing or arguing about little first world problem kind of things when there's so many bigger problems in the world to tackle. Um, and so that's the strategy. Knock it off. Quit fighting with each other. Quit fighting other good people. If they're your same religion or your different religion or your different political party, or it doesn't matter. If you're pulling in the general same direction, stop fighting them. And let's turn our attention towards those enemies that really deserve our attention. I think this is a great one when we start to think about maybe how much energy and brain space we use up fighting against little things. I love the idea of the first world problems because maybe even we get caught up in cultural problems and mm. these things that, or even just our own fights in our own head. Fights in our own head right? or within your family that... Maybe when you look at the big picture, you realize that's really not that big of a deal. What I should be using my brain and energy space for is for a real cause mm -hmm. and to maybe be instead banding together with people of those like-minded that are more like us than we think. This is maybe a dumb example, but a couple of years ago, um, I heard someone call President Obama evil. And I literally laughed out loud because my thought was, if you think that this person is evil, then you really don't know the world. President Obama is not evil. Um, people that work in office and government, whatever problems there may be there, they're not evil people. If you think they're evil, you don't know evil. 
There are places in this world that are evil. There are There is a very real adversary that's out to attack us. Sometimes I think we waste all of our mental and emotional energy getting riled up about perceived evils when the enemy, the real enemy, is tearing down our, our, our border cities and destroying our fortifications. Not to say that you don't stand up and defend what you believe, but keep it in perspective. Yeah, I think it's always just good to... Step outside your own bubbles, I guess, yeah, maybe sometimes yeah. is the way to put that. Thank you so much for studying with us. Remember these strategies. Know your weak places and defend them. Once you're defended, don't come down for anyone and knock off the fighting. Next episode, we'll study how do we do these things in our families? How do you strengthen and fight within your family? Don't forget to keep those study tips coming and thanks for listening.